So let me invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Luke chapter 11. We're going to pick up where Eric left off last week. Uh, The sermon series that we're in is entitled Resolved. We are looking at Jesus' resolve to go to the cross for us, to redeem us. And uh, as we travel along in Luke's gospel between now and Easter Sunday morning, we're going to be seeing Jesus' resolve working itself out in a wide variety of ways. Last week, uh, Eric very ably pointed out that Jesus resolved to, uh, to love us enough to tell us the truth, even when the truth was hard to hear. So there are times when someone will come up to you and pat you on the back and say, great job. And it's really true. You did a great job. That's so easy to hear, right? And it's so nice to hear. There are other times when somebody says, oh, we, we might have a coaching moment here. We might have a teaching opportunity here. And, and there's a, a correction that's offered. That isn't always as easy to hear. But Jesus loves us enough and is resolved enough for us that he will share the news with us, whatever it may be. So the truth that Eric pointed to last week was that Jesus challenged the, the, the pastors, the bishops, the religious leaders of his day with their hypocrisy, with their, uh, their own pride, the fact that they looked nice on the outside, but the inside was still pretty messed up, and they had yet to acknowledge that. And so what had happened is they had gone astray, and they were actually taking other people astray with them. We're going to continue in that conversation. This morning, uh, Jesus is going to turn his attention from a group called the Pharisees, which again, those are like the pastors and the bishops. And he's going to turn his attention to the lawyers. Now, the lawyers, a little bit different than a lawyer in our day, in that the lawyers were to take what the Pharisees taught about the law, and they were to offer interpretation. And the whole purpose of the lawyer's role was to make the law of God, to make the word of God easily understandable for the common man. And what Jesus is going to say to the lawyers, much like he said to the Pharisees, is you've, you've, you've moved this from a relationship with God through his grace and his mercy, which is what it is always intended to be. God has always intended to love his people through grace and through mercy and through forgiveness and compassion. And Jesus says, Lord, you've taken that and you've turned it into a man-centered self-righteousness, what we might call today legalism. The notion that I have to earn God's love, that if I work hard enough, that if I do enough things and I do them the right way, and I'm at least better than you at it, right? I'm at least better than some other person, then that will allow God's love to flow to me. And this notion is that we can earn God's love through our human efforts or what we like to call at Green Tree Community Church, boxes. I don't believe I met you folks yet. My name's Wallace. I'm one of the elders here at His Happy Helpers Community Church. Awesome. I'm, I'm Tim. And this I'm is Lucy. Lucy. Well, very nice to meet you. Well, uh, help yourself. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. Oh, we are a completely Bible-based church here at the HHHCC. We just take God's uh, requirements straight from the text and give them to you. G- give them to us? Yeah, we have a powerful accountability program for anyone who wants to know the Lord in a real way. We're not afraid to toe the line God clearly put in his word. That's why we created Boxes for the Lord. Boxes for the Lord? My box, my box, my box. Stop, stop, stop. 
God did his part, now we have to do ours. You know, that is such a relief. I mean, everywhere that we visited, I just feel so catered to. I mean, great coffee, great parking, no pressure, loud music. I mean, it's one of those, you know, it's okay if you don't know what you believe or make yourself comfortable wherever you sit. I mean, I just feel like God wants certain things from us. I mean, that's the whole point of going to church, right? He does want us to do certain things and not do others. Following those laws are how we show him the depths of our love for him. So I'm sorry, we just pick up one of those boxes? <laughs> or more than one. Okay, and then we carry them around and that's how God knows that we love him? And carrying that weight will grow his love for you. Uh, uh, but you're not carrying one. Oh no, no, I don't have to. Okay, but I'm not sure that I'm really here, here, here. How about I introduce you to some of our members? Uh, I've got a couple in mind that are a great testament to God's love. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of boxes. Isn't it? God just loves these two so much. Tim, Lucy, meet the Joneses. And don't even try to keep up. <laughs> oh, stop it, Wallace. We carry all of this by God's grace. Too true, too true. <laughs> Does that say, keep kosher? Just to be on the safe side. It's so nice to meet you two. So, have you taken a look at the boxes? You all might like to take a little walk over there. Just to be in the presence of those boxes, why it lifts you to new levels with the Lord. Plus, you can't get into the service without it. Oh, hey, let me help you with that. Oh, no, 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 no. Ah, Tim, no. It's, it's, we, we have a very strict CYOB policy here. That's carry your own box for you newbies. But hey, you, you didn't know, so it's fine. It's uh, uh, just... This is crazy. You're, you're telling me that that little girl wants to carry that box to go to church here? No, it's much bigger than that, sir. She has to carry that box to be truly loved by our God. Okay, now, come on. Does, does no one else see a problem with this? <laughs> Tim, please, when was the last time you even stepped foot in church? At least we're here together, right? And I'm sure God appreciates us doing things for him. So it's not bad per se. Let's just give it a shot, please. Yes, dear. Anything for you, dear. All right. Luke chapter 11, verses 45 through 54. Hear the word of God. One of the lawyers answered him, answered Jesus. Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people 
with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes, those are the lawyers, and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone. Be glory. Will you pray with me? Father, we have sung of your mercy and your faithfulness, your goodness. Father, we have sung of your glory and your compassion. We have sung of your relationship that you have created with us through the Lord Jesus that is ours by grace. It is ours through repentance of sin and forgiveness and trust in you, not through carrying burdens that we were never intended to carry. And yet, Lord, we are all tempted at times to, uh, to try to earn our way to try and uh, think that there's something in us that, uh, if we just do it the right way, would, would grab your attention, would uh, show you how much we, we really have earned and, and deserve your favor. So, Father, may we not look at the lawyers this morning and see somebody outside of ourselves, but rather may we see the danger lurking in our own hearts. We know that you have created us for relationship, and so we pray that we would see that this morning, we thank you that Jesus loves us enough to confront our wrong beliefs. So we pray that you would teach us. Father, forgive my sin. Please don't let me be a hindrance to what you want us to learn this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our sermon in a sentence this morning hopefully should be fairly self-evident. Uh, what we want to consider is this. Man-centered, works-based religion is not closely related to faith in Christ Jesus. In fact, it is the polar opposite. Uh, sometimes the lines get blurry uh, between faith and works, or boxes as you see them on the stage and as you saw uh, in, our, in our little, uh, hopefully Academy Award winning, we'll be up for a short film, uh, watch those Oscars in a couple weeks. Um, but the, the notion can get very confusing. You know, doesn't God expect something out of me? Doesn't he, doesn't he want me to, to work hard? Uh, in order to receive his love. And I believe this passage of scripture uh, will help us understand the, uh, the air, thinking that way. I have three observations about this text as we move through this morning. The first is this, that Jesus loves us enough to confront it when we put regulation over relationship, when we choose regulation over relationship. So one of the lawyers has been listening to Jesus talk, and if you were here last Sunday, Eric uh, did some of the woes to the Pharisees about their hypocrisy, about their pride, and this lawyer is a smart guy, and he understood that the job of the, of the bishops and the pastors was to, uh, was to, to, to explain or to give the law uh, in all of its fullness, and then the lawyers were to help explain it. And so when Jesus calls out the Pharisees, the lawyer puts two and two together and says, well, if he's not impressed with them, he's not impressed with me either. So Jesus says, or the lawyer says, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. As if the kind of the unspoken thing there is, and you certainly you didn't mean that. 
right? Certainly you, you aren't intending to, to, to suggest that we're doing things the wrong way. And Jesus doesn't say, oh man, I'm so glad you clarified that because no, you lawyers are just fine. Jesus says, well, while we're at it, <laughs> let's go ahead and continue the conversation. Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear. And you yourselves do not touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Jesus says, you have turned a relationship into regulation. God had created the people of Israel and God is creating the church of Jesus Christ for relationship through his grace and through his mercy. And the lawyer's job was to help people understand exactly that. The lawyer's job was to help them understand that the law of God demonstrated the character of God. It demonstrated the compassion of God and the mercy and the forgiveness of God and that their trust needed to be in him. But the lawyers were doing none of that. They had taken the law of God and they had abused it and they had twisted it to mean something that it was never intended to mean. To show this, I want to go back into the Old Testament and give you a couple of examples. And I want you to listen for relationship uh, or regulation. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I've got a, an abbreviated version on the screen, uh, but God is sharing the law of Moses, or Moses is sharing the law of God. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And then when your son asks you, in the time to come, what are the meaning of these testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed us signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt, against Pharaoh, and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive. Do you hear the relationship there? God's saying, I'm giving you these statutes. I'm giving you these commands in order that you would understand my grace and my mercy for you. And that's why uh, later in the Psalms, David, in writing Psalm 119, says the following. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Do you hear the relationship there? David says, I meditate on you. I spend time with you. And your word has become sweet to me. It, it gives me life. And so God says in his law, I want you to worship me. I, I want you to love me with your, your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What is God doing there? Is he putting a heavy burden on us? No, he's inviting us into a relationship. He's giving us a deep sense of understanding of, of why we were created in the first place. Our truest meaning, our truest purpose, the deepest dignity we can ever have in our lives is understanding that we were created to be in a relationship, in a love relationship with the God of the universe. And when we come to worship, 
when we come to praise God, when we come to love him, we feel that belonging. When God says in his law, I want you to care for the poor. I want you to watch out for the widow and the the oppressed, the orphan and the stranger. Is God loading heavy boxes on us, burdens that we must carry in order to fulfill his law? Or is he saying, I want to invite you into my compassion. I want you to sense my kindness to you. And one of the ways you can do that when you receive my kindness, when you receive my mercy, when you understand that I believe that every life is precious and every person deserves human dignity, then you'll begin to share that with other people. You'll begin to invite them into this relationship of love. When God says, I want you to take a day of the week and I want you to rest, I want you to give 10% of what you have earned to me and to my kingdom, is it because God wants us to, to, to pay him off? Or is it because God said, I want you to learn to trust me? I want you to learn that it's not your effort that saves you, but it's my grace and it's my mercy. And he's teaching us that we can depend on him. Wouldn't you like to have this person as a next door neighbor? Cindy and I actually had the benefit of living next to some folks like this. When we were, uh, when we were pretty young, we were living on Lookout Mountain, which is a very affluent uh, community outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I was the youth director at the church and she was uh, helping in a Mother's Day Out program. And uh, we didn't have too many nickels to rub together, but we lived all around, uh, or all the people lived around us were very, very wealthy folks, well-to-do folks. And there was one particular neighbor that lived close to us, Joe and Rose Francis. And Joe had a really fine job and he did really well. And Rose actually ran a preschool and, and, and they did very well together. They had a couple of kids, a couple of sons that were in our youth ministry. But what we noticed after moving into this neighborhood close by them, that if we ever had a need, somehow they figured it out. Somehow they learned about it. You know, we, and those were the days when Nate was maybe four years old and Katie was one. And, uh, and you have a lot of needs when your children are that age, right? Can I get an amen from the, from the front row here, right? Right? Uh, it gets easier and kind of harder, but generally easier as you go along. Uh, but there are a lot of days where, you know, we were both running hard and we got home and they'd call and say, hey, we got a little extra soup. Why don't you come over and, and have dinner with us tonight? Or there'd be a time where they come over and say, why don't you give us the kids and you guys go, you know, go get a cup of coffee and just relax a little bit. What were they doing? Carrying our burdens? Or were they sharing God's love for them with us? And that's why God says, I'm not going to let you reduce it to a regulation because that's not who I am. That's not who I've called you to be. But that's exactly what the lawyers did. They had made this a rule-keeping exercise in futility, void of any relationship with God. And when that happens, then it's every person for themselves, right? Because I've got to earn God's love. I've got at least, if I'm standing next to you and you're doing better than I am, that doesn't help me any, right? So I, I got to carry more boxes. I got to carry bigger boxes. I got to, I got to carry the more profound boxes. And then I got to stand next to you, the ones who are carrying the smaller boxes, so that I look good, right? It's every person for themselves, And Jesus points this out in a different passage. In Mark chapter 7, he says something very interesting to the lawyers. He says, you find fine ways of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you've said, if a man tells his father or his mother... Whatever you would have gained from me, any support, any help you would have financially that that you would have gotten from me in your old age, now that's Corban, in other words, a gift to God. You no longer permit them to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your traditions you have handed down. And many such things you do, right? So Jesus says, 
you've taken this word and you've twisted it into a bunch of regulations that it was never intended to be. And you've come artistic in the way you go about doing it. You've really gotten great at it. Uh, I'm going to read for you one of these traditions. It's a law about the Sabbath and what you can carry on the Sabbath. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm just going to read it out of this book. And I've read this probably eight or 10 times this week, and I'm still not sure I understand it. And, and this, is just, this is just one. On the Sabbath, the lawyers taught a man may not carry a burden in his right hand or in his left, in his bosom or on his shoulder. He may carry it on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or with his elbow or in his ear or in his hair or in his wallet, as long as the wallet's carried downward, uh, between his wallet and his shirt, or in the hem of his shirt, or in his shoe, or in his sandal. Multiply this by all the regulations of the law, and ordinary people have a burden beyond bearing even to know what they might do or what they might not do. And that's just one. And there were literally hundreds and hundreds of regulations with hundreds and hundreds of nuances. And this is what the lawyer said meant to be in a right relationship with God. The question that we have this morning is not, did the lawyers get it wrong? Hopefully you're beginning to understand that that's not God's intention. The question for us this morning is, have we chosen regulation over relationship? Have we believed the lie that we actually should pick up some of these boxes and carry them? And in doing so, earn God's favor. That's no relationship at all. If a relationship is built on duty, if a relationship is built on obligation, if a relationship is built on burden, and the expectation is you have to live up to this level, then we might all just, we ought to just turn off the lights and go home and get ready for the Super Bowl. But that's not what God says. God is not about the regulation. He's about the relationship. Secondly, Jesus loves us enough to confront our antagonism to the relationship. Look at verses 47 and 48. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their tombs. What Jesus is saying here is that it wasn't just that people heard this message from God and said, I don't think I care for that, but if you like it, that's great, and went on their merry way. But rather that as God reached out to them with a loving correction, which is what the prophets were. Every prophet in the Old Testament you read, it's God's loving correction. It's God saying to the people of Israel, please stop going this direction. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going, to, you're going to void yourself of a relationship with me. Turn back to me. Allow my love and my grace and my mercy to wash over you. But it was a correction. They had to acknowledge they were going in the wrong direction, that they had made this relationship with God something that it was never intended to be. And these prophets offered this, this opportunity for Israel to turn back. Let me give you just two examples, one of, out of Isaiah Chapter 1, Isaiah speaking for God says this, When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. He's talking about about repentance there. He's talking about acknowledging our sin. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Listen to this, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Do you hear the compassion of God? He loves them enough to say, your hands are full of blood. You you can't come to me like this. 
You're, you're not full of grace and mercy. You're full of vindictiveness and hatred and oppression and injustice. But I love you enough to tell you that so you can turn back to me. Jeremiah, in a similar fashion, shares the same warning in Jeremiah chapter 3. Return faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord. The prophet's job was to offer this loving correction. How did the people respond? Well, the prophets were attacked. They were abused. They were murdered. It wasn't just that people wouldn't, wouldn't abide the prophet's message, but they also wouldn't, not only wouldn't repent, but they wouldn't stand for anyone who disagreed with the way they had chosen to live their lives. And that's why Jesus says in verses 47 and 48, right? Therefore, the wisdom of God said, I will send the prophets and apostles. They'll kill and persecute so that the blood of all the prophets Shed from the foundation of the world shall be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel, who was the first martyr in Genesis uh, chapter 4, to the blood of Zechariah, who was the, the last Old Testament prophet to be killed. He perished between the altar, the sanctuary. He was murdered in the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Jesus says the prophets not only shared God's correction, but they were not just kind of, you know, we're not going to listen in deaf ear, but they were actually abused mercilessly for their message. And the lawyers were showing themselves to be the same. And that's why Jesus says, it's going to be required of this generation because the greatest prophet has come. The son of God is before you and he's now calling you to repentance. And if you don't repent, you're going to be guilty of the same thing of which your forefathers were. Jamar Tisby, a, a wonderful theologian and pastor, writes this, it is always easier to stoke fear and to play on prejudice than to inspire hope and call people to cooperation. What God is doing through Jesus and through the Old Testament prophets, what he's doing for us this morning is calling us to hope to a different way. It'd be easier for me to stand up here, quite frankly, and just try to scare you and say, pick up a box. That'd make my job a whole lot easier, right? But that's not the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can be antagonistic just as the lawyers were. God's offered this loving correction through Jesus. He's offered to them the opportunity to turn back. How did they respond? Did they, did they listen to this correction or did they persist in their man-centered works righteousness? Well, after Jesus leaves, it says, the lawyers and the Pharisees began to press him and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. That phrase, lying in wait there, is like a hunter. Some of you guys like to go out and, and hunt. Maybe you, you hunt deer and you get in a tree stand, you wear all this camouflage stuff and the whole, the, and you're just as silent as silent could be and you figure out which way the wind's going and you make sure that, that you're downwind instead of upwind. Why? Because you're waiting for that, for that prey to come along and get right in front of you so you can get the kill shot, right? That's the attitude they took. They weren't willing to repent. They rejected Jesus' offer. But again, the question is not how did they respond, but are we willing to listen to loving correction? If I've gotten into the bad habit of picking up boxes in my life and replacing the gospel with these burdens, am I willing to see that this morning? I actually wanted to get a whole bunch of little boxes and, and give one to everybody and, and give you a little marker and let you write down on your box, you know, what, what's your burden? What's your choice of, of carrying it around saying, if I just do this, God will love me. Jesus confronts our antagonism towards the relationship. And thirdly, Jesus confronts when we block the pathway to the relationship. 
Not only did the lawyers reject Jesus, but look at what he says in verse 52. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key to knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, but what else? You hindered those who were entering. We've said it earlier, but it's quite one thing to say, I don't believe. Thank you very much. I, I don't think I'll have any and kind of pass the gospel to the, to the next person, whether they'll choose it or not. But it's quite another, to act, it's quite another thing to actively bring spiritual harm to others so that my words and my actions and my attitudes in my life actually derail your faith. And they're actually intended to get you to come my direction instead of following the Lord Jesus. And Jesus confronts the lawyers and says, you're not just rejecting it, but you're actually seeking to do harm to others. One of my favorite pieces of poetry in all of literature is a pretty simple poem. It's actually a children's poem that Lewis Carroll wrote it. It's in uh, his larger book, Through the Looking Glass. It's called The Walrus and the Carpenter. I don't know if you're familiar with The Walrus and the Carpenter. I'm going to read uh, part of it to you this morning, not all of it, but, uh, but a little bit of it. It's, it's very sing-songy. It's very rhymy. That, that might be why I like it so much. But I want you to listen to the walrus and the carpenter and the, the promise they make, but what they ultimately deliver in the end. We'll pick it up as they're walking along the beach and they come to a bed of oysters out in the water. Oysters, come and walk with us, the walrus did beseech. Pleasant walk, a pleasant talk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each. The eldest oyster looked at him, but never a word he said. The eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head, meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed. But four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat. Their coats were brushed, their faces washed, their shoes were clean and neat. And this was odd because you know they hadn't any feet. Four other oysters followed them and yet another four and thick and fast they came at last and more and more and more all hopping through the frothy waves and scrambling to the shore. The walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so and then they rested on a rock conveniently low. And all the little oysters stood and waited in a row. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why a sea the boy is boiling hot and weather pigs have wings. But wait a bit, the oysters cried before we have our chat, for some of us are out of breath and all of us are fat. No hurry, said the carpenter. They thanked him much for that. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Peppers and vinegar beside are very good indeed. Now, if you're ready, oysters, dear, we can begin to feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, that would be a dismal thing to do. The night is fine, the walrus said. Do you admire the view? It was so kind of you to come, and you are very nice. The carpenter said nothing but cut us another slice. I wish you were not quite so deaf. I've had to ask you twice. Seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick after we've brought them out so far and made them trot so quick. The carpenter said nothing, but the butter's spread too thick. I weep for you, the walrus said. I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears, he sorted out those of the largest size, holding his pocket handkerchief before his brimming eyes. A oyster said, the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? But answer, there came none. And this was scarcely odd because 
They'd eaten every one. It's what the lawyers do, you know. That's what the burdens do. They eat us up. They make the promise of hope, promise of new life, the promise of if you just work hard enough, if you just carry enough boxes, God will love you. Friends, that's the antithesis of the gospel. It is not a type of gospel. It is the opposite of the gospel. Jesus says, I've carried all your burdens for you. The sins that you've committed, the mistakes that you've made, the things that you've left undone, I took all that to the cross. And I've borne it away so that you can be in a love relationship with me through compassion and through mercy. Jesus challenges my actions and my attitude that mislead others. The villain in, the, in, in, our, in our short Academy Award winning film early, earlier in the service, way back when we began the sermon, uh, is actually sitting over here to my right. Jeff Kozatek plays the villain in the movie because he was the one to convince everybody else to pick up a box and he didn't lift a finger to help. You see, friend, boxes are very convenient We pick up the ones we want, we set the rules, we praise ourselves, and it allows us, quite frankly, to judge others. But make no mistake, boxes are deadly. They are of no spiritual value because they're void of a relationship with God. In fact, the boxes would suggest we can be a God to ourselves. Jesus loves us enough to confront our boxes. Will we listen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are not the walrus or the carpenter tricking us, believing only to meet with our own demise. But you are a God who is full of compassion and grace and mercy. So we can baptize Molly this morning in joy and in thankfulness because we know your compassion reaches to little ones like her. Father, we can lay our burdens at your feet this morning. Father, I know that there are times when I create burdens in my life thinking this is how God will love me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive us when we replace your gospel with something that is no gospel. Center us on your grace and your mercy. Center us on the relationship that we would love the one who's loved us first and that we would share that message with one another and with a dying world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.